Hi, my name's Christian. And I'm Tressa. And welcome to the Startup Brew Fargo podcast. Startup Brew is a weekly event hosted by Emerging Prairie in downtown Fargo, where we believe entrepreneurship is energized over brews. Each week, we bring entrepreneurs, founders, and innovators together because we believe they succeed when they have access to each other and the community that supports them. This summer, Startup Brew will occur each Wednesday morning at Drecker Brewing. This week, we welcome Tyree Burks, who is founder and CEO of Players Health, and Demercy Crystal, who is the founder and CEO of Enlightapp Incorporated. Tyree Burks is the founder and CEO of Players Health. Tyree played football in high school, college, and professionally. After sustaining multiple injuries, Tyree was inspired to ensure that any athlete playing sports would do so in the safest environment possible. Founded in 2016, the Players Health Platform protects, cares, treats, and ensures athletes. The platform approaches incident management to a whole new level. They get ahead of the claim. Let's listen to what Tyree had to say. Thank you. This crowd is amazing. <laughs> I really appreciate the opportunity to come Joe and Troy, thanks for inviting me to come. Um, I, I love sharing our story here at Players Health because uh, it really means a lot to me. Um, I'll share a little bit about my background. I, as she shared, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. And where I grew up, you either did two things after school. You either were in the streets or you played sports. And I played sports. Um, I used to walk past this wall on my way to school every day. And this wall was a a reminder and an obstacle for me because it had all the names of the kids that lost their lives to gun violence. And I had a constant fear that one day I was going to end up on this wall. But sports was really a safe place for me. I grew up with three other guys. The four of us, we hung out every day from third all the way to our high school years. Today, two of those guys are no longer here. And one just finished doing a 10-year bid in, uh, in prison. I was the only one to find sports. Sports saved my life. And so I feel like I have a huge responsibility to give back to sport, which is why Players Health has a strong mission to create safer environments. I grew up in a place where safety was a luxury. And so it's a mission of mine to make sure that when kids play sports, they're doing it in the safest environment possible. I started Players Health about seven years ago. Before that, I played professional football for a number of years, and I had a ton of injuries throughout my career. I had three bulging discs in my neck. I ended up tearing my hamstring off my tibia. And when I decided to hang it up, I started to volunteer and coach. My son at the time, he's 16, at the time he was like nine, and it's crazy. But um, I started to see that the priority of health and safety had not changed since I last played. And we wanted to focus on changing that. So we created a risk management company initially, where we tracked injuries on athletes, where we manage all of the abuse incidents, emotional, physical, sexual abuse for sports organizations. And that was really our foundation. Three years ago, we launched an insurance company. So basically what Players Health does is we use all of this data on how we support organizations with creating safer environments and more, the more they engage in those risk management tools that are free for them, the cheaper their insurance becomes. So we think of us as a drive safe program for sports organizations. Today, we support over 50,000 sports organizations. Um, we credential, we do background check, abuse awareness training, concussion trainings on all of our coaches that go through. This year, we'll credential 180,000 coaches. Um, we see, we investigate over thousands of abuse incidents, fortunately and unfortunately. 
Abuse is very prevalent in youth sports. We investigate those as a third party on behalf of our organizations. And I'm, I'm proud to share that the impact that we have on youth sports and that every day our mission at Players Health is to create the, most, the safest and most success, uh, accessible environment possible for athletes to play the sport that they love. This year in February, um, we had our Series B financing. We raised $30 million. We've, to date, we've raised over $40 million to support this mission. This is a mission-driven organization, and really appreciate it. And the mission has really carried us forward. Um, where we're going, I think a big focus for us here at Players Health is to make sure that when these kids come into an environment, I always talk a bit about the transaction between sports and kids. We all are, fam we all are either parents or we've coached, we've done something like that, but we want to deposit good things into our kids. We want to make sure that things like motivation and inspiration, everything that sports gives us, we want to make sure that we're only depositing those things and what we've learned is that there are environments that they come in where these things may be taken away from them. Well, depending on the trauma, depending on the time in which these things are taken away from them, these kids may never get that back. Our focus in Players Health is to make sure that the environment that they come in only deposits these things into them. Everyone in our company, and I'll end with this, has their own personal mission statement. Yes, we have our company mission statement and our company vision. But I am a firm believer that you show up every day because you're motivated personally to change the world. So I'll share mine with you. As a father, as a husband, as a Christian, and as a leader, I co-create a world of love, acceptance, and safety. Now I do that by courageous leadership, empathy, and using my voice. I'm using my voice today sharing our mission and our story with you. And thankfully, I'm allowed to be on mission today because I'm able to share this story. And I really appreciate you guys for the time today. Thank you. Demercy Christel is the founder and CEO of Enlight App. Demercy grew up in a refugee camp in Tanzania. While attending college, Demercy founded the company Enlight App. Enlight App builds dynamic student profiles and analyzes student reflections weekly. This delivers helpful ideas and insights to teachers with the intention of increasing student engagement teacher effectiveness, and sense of belonging in the classroom. Demercy states that one of the highest points in his entrepreneurial journey is when Enlightapp was named one of the top ideas to disrupt the education field. Let's listen to what Demercy had to say. Good, good, good morning, Fargo. I have missed you guys. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. First of all, I just want to thank Generator for making this happen and you know, flying me from Austin and coming here. Uh, for those in the crowd who don't really know my background, I was born and raised in a refugee camp and I came to America at 13 years old with nothing with but empty pockets and a head full of dreams. Uh, when I moved here, I was so excited to learn from the best schools in the world where I just imagined these innovative schools where I could explore all the questions that were keeping me so curious. But instead, I found a struggling system full of disengaged students and teachers who want to make a difference but don't really have the capacity or the means to serve their, like, uh, to serve their overcrowded classrooms full of diverse groups of students, each with their own interests, challenges, and opportunity to actually make uh, their impact. 
So I come to you today to tell your story about my journey starting from high school, actually. On May 11th, this is a day that I would never forget. Uh, actually, I was talking to uh, my counselor who I went to, and I said, you know what? I feel and I see that a lot of my students, or my fellow students, are falling through the crack. They're bored in school, and I am going to be that person that's going to figure out how to fix that problem. From there on, I went to my counselor, and I told him, I want to do this. And I did that because I had Jake Jornstad, and I don't know if he's in the crowd here, but he was at my high school and he talked to me about what entrepreneurship was. And from there on, I was able to take that mental and said, I'm going to be the one to go to come in and be able to actually solve this problem. From there on, I've been on this stage twice now. And here today, I'm here to announce that we have made great, great, great strides and I'm really excited to share. Uh, so last year, I was able to actually get an opportunity to get into Techstars, and after Techstars, I was able to raise uh, a little round, and right after that, uh, we were able to actually attract some of the most biggest talents in the country um, to actually join our mission. And from there on, right now, uh, we are essentially planning to be launching our product into some of the world's top schools. And right now, like one of the biggest things that I really wanted to come talk to you guys about, especially if you're an entrepreneur, please apply to accelerators. Accelerators was one of those things that for me was the thing that I actually use secretly to apply because they ask the hardest questions. They asked the hardest questions. So I was applying to just a bunch of startups, as many like accelerators as I could, to be able to actually get asked those tough questions that were actually helping me, like, you know, that were helping me like take take my business to the next level. And so when I started, when I started doing this work, uh, one of the biggest things that I started to learn was my obsession with this problem. Um, so as an entrepreneur, when you start, you kind of just, your, your solution is kind of the biggest thing. You come up with a solution and you're really, really excited about it. And last year, I had one of my biggest pitfalls. Our product didn't work. And after our product wasn't working in schools, I had the biggest task of saying, you know what? I don't know, like, I'm really passionate about this problem and I'm going to figure out a way to fix it. So we literally had to start from scratch. And by starting from scratch, I was able to learn one of the biggest lessons that entrepreneurship has taught me. It's not about the, it's not about the solution, it's about the problem. And the problem always stays the same, but the solution can be changing as you essentially continue to iterate. So today, I'm really coming here on stage to let you guys know that we're planning to be raising a new round. We're raising about a million dollars we have brought in, like as I was talking to you guys earlier, we brought in very top talent. And one of the talents is a CTO who was my Techstar advisor who actually built the US Census database, which is nuts. Um, and then the other, the other team member that we're able to add on to our company, her name is Jero Washington. She's one of the top educators in the country who have been essentially doing this work for a very long time. And so what we've been able to figure out is that schools are failing our students because they don't actually understand the diverse student populations and the challenges that those students are having. And we're able to actually solve that problem because now we essentially have allowed the teachers to be able to make an impact by getting to understand who their students are, 
where they come from, and the impact that they want to make in the world. Our student profiles started when I came on this stage for the first time, were very static. Now, the teacher has the means to be able to actually learn their students throughout the year, so it's not just on the first day of school. So imagine if a teacher knew their students just like YouTube knows their audience. That's where we're trying to get to because the way that Gen Zers are engaged through TikTok, through YouTube, is that these organizations like YouTube and TikTok are really good at getting to know their audience. And so our goal at InLightApp is to be able to allow teachers to actually understand their audience as good as the, the uh, as good as the, uh, as good as the, the uh, sorry, as good as the companies <laughs> that are actually doing this work. So I'm really excited for your questions. Thank you so much today. After the presentation, we jumped into a live Q&A session with the audience joined by our host, Jenny Sheets from the Emerging Prairie team. Let's listen in. Wow, I'm surrounded by greatness. I can feel the energy, the brain power here. Uh, well, we love, like, this is, you guys' stories are fantastic. You're staying mission-driven. You're, you're understanding the problem, and you're not trying to create a different problem, right? You know the problem, and you're finding solutions for it. We love what you're doing. We want to celebrate wins. What is something, what can we celebrate with you lately? What's a win you're celebrating? Uh, I'll start. Uh, I did send today a four-month update. Um, to our investors, which I'm really, really proud of, uh, and like, as I worked about a week to actually write this thing. And you hit send today. I hit send today. Nice job. Let's give it up, right? Yes. Getting those emails out the door. Woo, and those updates. That takes some time. Nice work. What about you, Terry? Um, there's been a ton of milestones this, this year for us. Um, I think the biggest milestone I could say, for, for every policy we sell, we, we're an insurance company, so the main KPI for us is policy, is premium. Um, we launched our insurance brokers three years ago. Um, we did a million our first year. Last year we did seven million. Right now we're at 30 million in premium. So we just broke, broke the 30 million. Congratulations. Now, so great. That is huge, awesome. Well, I, I've got some questions, but I want to open it up. Make sure we leave enough time for the audience. So let's start with the audience. Any questions for these two founders? Oh, good question. How do you connect with students? Is it through the schools or independent sports organizations or some other that's, way? That's a really good question. There, there, there's a bunch of ways that we do this. So we work with most of our organizations are youth and amateur sports, so schools 18 and under. Um, the first way that we interact with them is our education. So a lot of the education we provide is, is mandatory. Uh, so specifically for the coaches is really what we've engaged, but we also send out tons of communication and educational training specifically around abuse, for example, to all of our athletes. So it's free training that they do. Um, we integrate with all the registration software that parents do when they sign their kid up for sports. That's the first time that they find and learn about players' health. Um, and there are a number of other ways, but most of the ways that we focus on right now is really around education and training. Great question. Did we have another one over here? Yes, Ifra. Oh, that's a, that's a big life question. All right, I'll repeat that. So, Fredji Mercy, if, if you wouldn't have been encouraged to go into entrepreneurship, if this wouldn't have been your path, where do you think you were going? Where would you be now? You know, it's, it's actually funny because when I hopped on stage first time at One Million Cups, my family was planning to move out of Fargo. So, uh, I, was, I was planning to go into business still, 
but I had no idea where, like, I, by the way, I didn't even know where, like, what kind of major or anything that I was going to be doing. So I, I believe that, like, you know, if, if I didn't have the counselor who was able to actually push me to go do that, I think I'd be working for someone right now. <laughs> I think that, that entrepreneurship spirit is with you, though. And, I th like, it can be taught and it can be learned, but once you have it, it's kind of hard to get rid of it, right? It's, it's like being an artist. You just have to do it in some capacity. So proud of both of you for sticking with it. Do we have any other questions? Tyree, I've got one for you. So you just, I mean, this big race, you've been fundraising a lot, like having huge success. What advice do you have for a founder who is maybe looking to fundraise for the first time? There's, there's a lot, but I think to keep things simple and, and, and ex what, something you can execute on, I think understand be real about the stage that you are in your company. I think when I first started fundraising, and, and, and not let the goal be to fundraise, but know why you want to raise the capital. And I think I didn't have that understanding in the beginning. I was raising capital because I thought that that was the next inevitable step for, for me. It was really around finding product market fit, building a real business. That's the number one objective. You build a real business, whether you raise capital or today or you never raise capital, you now have a sustainable business that you can grow. And so know why you want to raise capital, what are you going to use the capital for, and then make sure you're talking to the right people. Me being an athlete, fortunately I was able to get into rooms that you know, normal folks wouldn't get into on their first kind of fundraise, so to speak, and I kind of tanked those meetings in the beginning because I got there too fast. I started having conversations with Series A, Series B investors, and I haven't generated $1 of revenue and I haven't really found product market fit. You only get one chance to make a good first impression. So make sure that when you get that first chance that you're ready and prepared for it and you know exactly what you want to do and why you want to do it. You're going to be a lot more successful in your fundraise at that point. That's great advice. DM, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, one thing that I would, I would really add to that is just like, you know, it's going to be a grind. Uh, I've had one of my friends was pitched around 230 investors and one said yes. So it's, it's pretty much a grind, but it's, it's really like, like what he said, and, and I would really emphasize on that, it's about finding the right people that believe in the mission that you're working towards. Because especially like on the early stages, you don't wanna just like take in like investors who don't believe in your mission and don't believe in you because this is, you're essentially marrying these people for 10, maybe 13, 15 years of you running this company. So it's really important for you to be able to actually pick. Um, and then also the other thing is, it's not just that you going and you know, begging an investor to give you money, they also have to show you that they could actually provide value to you, especially at the earliest stages, uh, beyond just the money that they're giving you. So one of the biggest things that I'm really fortunate about is our investors are very hands-on, so where you know, I can call them if, I'm, have a, if I have a problem, you know, especially right now we're starting to fundraise, they're very active right now, putting together lists of, and making, making some intros. So I would say it's not just one way where you're going as an, you know, as an entrepreneur to go beg for money. It's like they also have to provide that value because you're the one that's gonna be in the trenches grinding every day. Great advice, great advice. I hear a lot that bringing on an investor is like almost getting another spouse. Right, it's, it's a relationship. Do we need like a Tinder for investors? No, scratch that, scratch that idea. That was a bad idea. There is one point that I think is really important to share. 
Your first institutional check, the day you take institutional capital, you've signed yourself up for rapid growth. That is the only way you're exiting that company. Either you give up or you're growing. So the clock starts and it never stops. So you've just decided, the day you take a series A or a seed round of financing, you're, the next 18 months, unless you get to profitability, which is the goal, you're fundraising. And you're never not fundraising as a founder. So make sure that that's the, that's the business you want to build and that's the journey that you want to take because as soon as you sign that check, that's what you're on. Great advice. And I'm sure if any of you have questions, they're more than willing to answer anything about fundraising. But yes, sir. Um, I have a quick question for you, right? Um, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, one of my Bibles, if you will, is the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, right? In this book, he talks a lot about systems. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about the systems that you have in place behind the scenes so that your crew, your staff, and uh, people with you can accurately carry out the vision, the original vision that you guys have for the company? That's a great question. So about staying consistent with systems. Do you guys have systems in yeah. place for your teams? That's a really good question. This is my first rodeo in building a business. Um, that's even beyond you know the, the fellow branded brothers that you start the company with. We implemented a system called the EOS system, the Entrepreneur Operating System, that is really foundational. And really, it's really about building transparency and accountability within your team. You have OKR, so these are key objectives. I have an objective that I want to hit within the next 90 or 120 days. Within those objectives, that objective could be, I want to be the top 10 carrier in the US. That's the objective. That's the hairy audacious goal. What are the key results that drive to that objective? So these are things that you're going to, these are metrics that you're going to follow. Within those key results, you're going to have a set of initiatives. Who's owning those initiatives? What is the timeline for those initiatives? And then how are you building consistent tracking to make sure that you're hitting the initiatives to, to make sure that the metrics are being hit to hit the objective? And then you rinse and repeat weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly. That's a great system. Not only does it add accountability, but it also makes people proud to then hit those goals, right? Awesome. Demarcy, what about you? Awesome. So I have a team of four people. And you know, just, just like he said, I'm, I'm really like just immersing myself in, in learning. But one thing that I was able to create is what I call the 80-20 morning. And so every morning with our team, we essentially sit down and we essentially sit down and we're able to actually look at what are our top priorities based on our long-term vision. We actually work backwards. So we start with a long-term term vision and then we work backwards and you know, for six months, so we do a year and then we do six months and then we do three weeks and then we do one week. And then from that one week, every day in the morning, we do the 80-20 rule where we look at like, the eight, like I think a lot of people know what the 80-20 rule in here, but we essentially like prioritize the things that we need to do that day and then we start executing on it. And then on Fridays is when we essentially sit down for about two hours with our team and then we go through all the things that we essentially did and then the things that we didn't do and then that carries on next week. We do the 80-20 rule again since we're a small team and so we're just executing on the toppest priorities as possible. Great question. Great question. All right, yes, Elizabeth. Oh, good question. When was the moment that you knew you had something, that this, this could work? 
You know, um, I, I believe those moments are, you, you kind of start and then you get, you're, you know, you get kicked down. So those moments don't come only once, they come <laughs> many, many, many times through your journey. Uh, but my biggest moment was last year, I believe competing at TechCrunch Battlefield with TechCrunch putting us as one of the top startups that they believe would disrupt education was honestly one of the biggest, like, you know, um, you know really changing where I was like, wow, okay, we actually have something. Um, but really, like that was that was one of the biggest ones. But for me, it was at one million cups when it was the first time, and I had a standing ovation. I was like, "Oh, this is actually you guys like this." <laughs> um, so I think those were really like those two were some of my biggest moments in my journey. But it comes and goes. So you know, you you get kicked down, and then one day you're like, "Oh my gosh, we have something," and then you're like, mm, "Maybe not," and then you just Repeat that. I, I got a good one. That's a, I 100% agree. There's never not one moment. But I think the moment for me, I, I was about three and a half years into my business. And I started this company to give away everything we sell, which is not a good business model, by the way. But I, but I was so passionate about achieving the mission around how do we create safer environments. And I didn't want the economic burden of an organization to create that safer environment. So that was really the motivation there. But I was about to sell my business. Uh, I was discouraged, down and out, so to speak. And I talked with Joe and Troy, and they run the on-ramp uh, on uh, conference. It's an insurance conference. There's a bunch of different type of conferences. But the on-ramp insurance conference was an opportunity for me to tell a new story of player's health. Up until this point, all we did was risk management. Insurance wasn't even a thought. So I presented the idea of what our company is today. They, they, I didn't, even, I thought I was gonna have like a lunch spot right before the lunch. I was main stage, like, and I told the story of what we were gonna build. It wasn't even a real thing at this time and I was very transparent. This is how down and I was. I was like, hey, this isn't built. This is what we do today. This is what I think would be valuable for insurance companies. If you're writing sports risk, and you don't know that injuries are happening or you don't know that abuse are happening in sports, it'd be a good idea that you know this. And then the response from the insurance community was, was, was insane. A couple weeks later, I was about to sell my business for a few hundred K at that point. A guy offered me three million for the business. I turned it down and then he invested in me and then we were off to the races at that point. And so there's definitely these moments where you think you're out and there's that one NetX opportunity. You got investors and partners that believe in you, and they give you one more shot to tell that story. But keep telling the story is what I would say. Awesome. And it is just driving forward, right? You're not going to find that next opportunity if you're not moving forward, even through those tough times. Well, we've got a few minutes left. I really want to know what it was like to go through Generator. I would love for you guys to tell us, for anybody here who is interested in applying, uh, what was the experience like? Was it worth it? Yeah, so my, my experience was very interesting, actually, because I was going to college, um, and I was driving for three days a week to St. Cloud and back. <laughs> so it was, it was just a really, really like crazy time for about seven weeks, by the way, of this. So I, I, was, I was really in that trenches. But for me, like one of the biggest things that I really believe uh, makes or breaks, you know, an accelerator, like an accelerator experience is the people. 
So um, the G beta that I was going through in St. Cloud had these amazing mentors, an amazing MD that was just really there to support you of every step of the way. And one of the biggest things that I learned through G beta was the power of your network. Uh, so they have this network called the GAN that I just always, always, always go back and use. And the intros that were able to be put on there also have been really just incredible. So my, my experience with Generator was just really amazing. That's fantastic. Tyree, what about you? And I'm biased when I say this, but I feel like I got probably one of the best deals because we were, we were class number two. I was able to work directly with Joe and Troy every day. And I think the, I didn't know anything about running a business at this point. And so I was really raw. They took a chance on me. So finding people that believe in you, big deal. And so they believed in me. And I didn't, I didn't get into the first generator class, but I kept coming back. I kept applying and they said yes the second time. And it helped me really take the company from the next stage. I needed handholding. I needed, I need to under, I need to understand cash flow. I needed to understand a PL. I didn't know anything. I just, I just had passion. And they invested in that. But even when I was done with the program, every week, every day, I'm texting with these guys. And three years after I'm out of the program, I'm on a stage, and that was the transformational moment in my company. And so it wasn't just the program, it was it it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. We text, we talk, like these are more, these more, these are my best friends, and we've content, continued to grow and, and, and build in our careers together. It's kind of cool to see it happen. I love that. Hearing from both of you that it's it's about the network, it's about the people that surround you, yourself with. Do you have something to add? Yeah, I have something to add on yeah. top of what he said. Um, something that I love to think about uh, a lot is I look at if if it feels like a network. It's wrong. Uh, so I, to me, a network should feel like a family. And that, this is something that I really, really, really care about, especially for an accelerator like G-Beta. They really care about building those relationships that it doesn't just feel like, oh, I'm networked with this guy, you know? <laughs> um, it's all about feeling like, hey, I can text him like he was saying. I'm texting Precious every day, and this was two years ago, but till today, she's still supporting me. To think about how many other founders she has on our table, right, that she's working with constantly, and I can text her anytime, and she's, she's there for me. So I would say, if you're building a network, it should feel like a family, not just a network that you have. That's great, awesome. I love hearing that, because being a founder is lonely. It's really hard, and I'm sure a lot of you can, can understand this. So you gotta surround yourself with those people who are gonna build you up, who, where you can just say, you know what, today sucks. And then tomorrow's gonna be better, right? So, awesome. Well, it, last question, your family is here. I hope this is your new Fargo family. DM, welcome back, this is your Fargo family. What is one thing we can do to support your work? We are raising money, uh, please intro us to investors that would love to uh, back our mission. Awesome, an introduction to investors right over there. What about you, Terry? Quick show of hands. Who has a kid that's playing sports today or you coach? Tons of hands, right? Yeah. Introduce those sports organizations to Players Health. Awesome. And what's the website for both of you? PlayersHealth.com. And LightApp.com. 
Let's give it up for our speakers. Thank you guys so much. And that's all we have for this week's Startup Roof Fargo. Thanks for listening in. Startup Roof Fargo is energized by Emerging Prairie, an organization dedicated to connecting and celebrating the Founders Ecosystem. Thank you to Emerging Prairie's annual partners and Founders Ecosystem partners. We'll see you next time. And go do something amazing.